They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season number two, episode 32. It's been two weeks since we... No, it's like literally just hit record two seconds ago. But this is the Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. I know what you're thinking out there. Touch my snowballs. And I won't do that because you're a filthy fucking pervert. And I don't know where they've been. Um, yeah, welcome back. We're doing Rabid. Uh, and demented on this episode, so we're going to be talking about two movies that are just full of discomfort. I mean, that's that's. Uh, there's no other way around it. Um, there's body horror and there's rape revenge. Yay, rape revenge for Christmas on the fourth day of Christmas. My true love gave to me um, a demented Blu-ray, which made me wonder our relationship where it was at at this current point of time. And yeah, that's the end of that very non-funny joke um joining me on this episode as always is my very good friend mark ball how's it going mark happy holidays video nasty lovers uh yeah this is uh this is the, the, <laughs> the last the last video nasty or the last doing the nasty of 2022 mm. i've lost count now the, the last one we would have covered was 64 of these things so this is 65 and 68 something like that yeah we're getting there we're getting there uh, That's I think, a lot, and, man. Yeah, Jesus and, Christ. And the new projected timeline, we are due to finish about August next year. Um, although I think we can shortcut a, shortcut a couple of months uh, into doubles like this uh, as a way to, to, to bring us roughly back on schedule for the summer. Uh, but yeah, we, we, are, we are powering through this. And um, we are bringing you the goods on this one, ladies and gents. Don't say that we aren't going to make your Christmas merry. Um, ooh, one movie I know very well by a fucking bona fide, fucking like true auteur of cinema, and the other one, Demented, <laughs> which uh, that's a that's a yeah, that movie there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we spoke at length um, on the other episode about all the the good stuff that's been happening in our lives up until now. Um, really, the only thing I want to discuss before we jump on here, and I'm going to hand it to you to, to, to kind of pass your kind of thoughts before we move in. Um, please check out the other episodes on the Teapots Collective uh, over there in the interim before this episode has come out, you will have heard at least two episodes of Opera Omnia. One is an addendum episode to the previous season, season three, with Richard Glenn Smith returning to do the new Peter Strickland movie, which was Flux Gourmet, a movie about farting, which is what that movie is about, Irritable Bill Syndrome. Um, oh, man, relate. <laughs> yeah, in a very, very, very artistic way, though, because it's Peter Strickland. Um, well, and I, maybe you got to check that out. It's really good, actually. It's really fucking good. Um, it's nuts, but it's good. Um, and you will have also heard the season finale 
of um, season four, which has been looking at Alex Garland, myself and JP, will have finished off with a review of the movie Men, which came out this year. Um, you will have also uh, heard at least one episode of Chronicle and the season finale of Where to Begin With as well. So it's a busy time. We're bringing everything in to close. This is the last episode that's coming out on this feed until probably late Jul- uh, January. Not July, January. Um, <laughs> so Jesus Christ, he's closing the door. That's doors a long for hiatus. Half a year. Um, <laughs> what year is it? Uh, so yeah, I'm doing that on the podcast under the stairs. Shit loads of stuff, but the episode I would direct you to because I'm I, I've yet to record it. I'm recording it tomorrow, but I know it's going to be a stone cold fucking banger. Is this year's director's conversation starring myself, Bo Ransdell, Doug Tilly? The initial estimates are it's probably going to be a six-hour listen, um, and we're doing the entire filmography of Michael Mann. So that's everything ah, from nice. the Jericho Mile and Thief at the beginning of his career up until movies <laughs> like uh, Miami Vice and The Black Hat, which are not good. <laughs> so, oh, fuck, I totally forgot he did that Miami Vice movie. Oh, dude. Oh, oh, boy, did he ever. But then again, he was like the producer on... Miami Vice TV show back in the day, yeah, so that's, that's true. Why, um, but yeah, that was a, that was going to be a series, apparently, which thank fuck didn't happen. Um, and yeah, but like you get all the good stuff in between. You get some Manhunter. You get a little bit of Last of the Mohicans. You get the Insider. You get fucking heat. You yeah. get heat, ladies oh. and gents. You get heat. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking great. As always, Bo and and Doug will bring the thunder on that one, and uh, I'm very very much looking forward to putting that one out for you to listen to. But I just wanted to thank you very much for supporting this show and all the other shows throughout the year. Um, it, it does go greatly appreciated, and without you guys, me and Mark would not do this because we would not subject ourselves to the movies that we sometimes have to watch for the show. If no one was fucking listening. It's all for you, Damien. It's all for you. Uh, Mark Ball, any, any kind of festive thoughts before we jump in and talk about a rape revenge movie? Um, it's been the, this has been the weirdest year of my life, like by a fucking country mile. And mostly in good ways. I mean, I switched careers. I got married. Like, you know, starting to get my life a little bit on track somewhat. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, this has been a crazy fight. Well, and like the whole music thing, playing shows and stuff. I've, I've played a couple shows since we last recorded. I had a pretty rad one up in Billings where I played with some fucking noise bands, which was wild. They just have like this bi-weekly, you know, noise artists come out that's like every one of them is fucking completely different and unlike anything you've ever heard. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward in 2023 to, you know, be pushing the music a little bit more and trying to do new, new shit with that. Uh, there's a lot of fucking amazing sounding movies coming out next year. I am so goddamn far behind on movies that have come out this year. Like uh, you mentioned Men, and I was like, I think there's like 30 fucking A24 movies that have come out oh, this year that I have not so seen. Uh, I can't I recommend sat- Men and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies enough. Uh, out with X if you've not seen X yet but oh if I've seen X yeah, yeah I've so, seen X uh, yeah but like men is like tour de force cinema and bodies 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 the trailer looked fucking stupid for that I had so much fun with that movie that is a movie that is just like it fucking nails it to the wall and has an ending which you will either love I loved it or fucking hate which a lot of the people in the cinema uh, that I was at to see it hated so yeah it's great it's fucking awesome so yeah i I still gotta see those two i haven't seen 
Smile or Barbarian mm. or fuck, dude, these are so goddamn many movies coming out nowadays. <laughs> I just have not had fucking time to catch up with all of them. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll maybe see a few of these and get a little get a little bit caught up. Mm. Um, I think a little later today, we're going to go see the David Harbour as Killer Santa movie, Violent Night, which I'm looking forward to. Joe Bigos has got a fucking Killer Santa movie coming out on Shutter. I think it's called Bloody Bloody Christmas. Bloody Bloody Christmas. Yeah, 12th of December. Like, we are like one week, we're less than a week away from that movie. Well, just over a week, sorry. Away from that movie dropping, and I cannot fucking wait. The trailer for that one looked insane. And yeah, very much like yourself. I'm going to see the David Harbour movie about. A week and a half time when I finish up officially for from work for the year. So, um, yeah. So there's stuff out there. You've like the thing is, I think generally the quality of movies has been really consistent this year. There hasn't been there's been maybe one or two movies that have been like, oh, this is like fucking top tier, but the rest has been of a really sustained high quality for me. That I've like even the movies that I genuinely thought would be utter dog shit this year have turned out to make me like that. Orphan Kills movie is one of the funnest movies you're ever going to see. I heard really good things. I was really yeah. surprised because I don't think I heard nearly as much good things about the first Orphan movie. No, because it's not like the first Orphan movie. It's like, ah. it's the difference between that movie. The way I describe it is the difference between um, The Orphan and Orphan Kills is the difference between watching a movie like Strangers um, and Strangers Prey of Night. No, uh, okay. Where it's just like a completely different movie. Like just different style, different everything. And it has a couple of moments in there that will just make you fucking smile hard. Um, and that is just like, they know they shouldn't be making a sequel, or, sorry, a prequel to the the first movie. And they're just like that. Well, if we are, let's just make it fun. And that's what they do. So Nice. It's worth checking out. Uh, I, meant to, I meant to ask you, one I did watch that we were maybe talking about doing over on Darren's show, the Psycho Semantic Cast. What did you think of They Them? Uh, they them is that the Kevin Bacon one? Yeah, about still the, watch uh... it. Yeah, I've still watched it. It's on my it's on my like binge list for the end of the year. Um, well, it okay. hasn't officially been released in the UK yet, but that's quite a few. Movies yeah, it's like a just... peacock thing. I don't I don't know yeah. if you guys have, you guys don't have peacock. We don't have the cock there. over here. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the cock over here. Uh, so no, no I, I'm I'm aware of it. I, I'm aware that it was getting relatively mixed reviews. Um, yeah, I, I saw a lot more people that really strongly disliked it, so I went in with really low expectations and without spoiling anything or anything. Uh, I actually like really liked it. I thought it was really funny. Uh, the horror parts of it are maybe not its strongest point. Like I probably could have just watched a movie without any of that in it, which is, is kind of a weird backhand compliment. But uh, hmm. I really I dug it a lot more than I thought it was gonna. So nice, nice. Yeah, there is. There's tons of stuff out there. I think it's just a case of, of kind of you. You'll know as well. The thing is, like lists are going to start appearing online over the next couple of weeks anyway, and just take a bit of time, read a couple of lists, and see if any of those movies that are on those lists are ones you haven't seen that take take your interest, and then go for it. So um, yeah, I've yet to see. I, I've only seen a small handful of movies that I actively disliked this year. Um, the majority of them have been in the you know have have done really 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 well for me. Um, I've yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, Scandinavian movies actually. The Scandinavian movies this year have been fucking great. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to getting through those. 
So. Did you order any cool stuff for the, I don't know, again, once again, this is a States thing, but the Black Friday sales from so a we couple... So we now get Black Friday now. sales over here, but they don't mean anything. So shops just lean into, oh, they're Black Friday deals. Um, yeah, and we're like, this is an excuse to put out new stuff and put yeah. stuff on sale, kind of. I didn't, actually. I am, I am in the process just now of marginally downsizing my collection um and that i topped over uh, topped over a thousand uh blu-rays um and i got to the point where i was looking at certain ones going i watched this four years ago i'm never going to watch it again so i've kind of started shrinking down the collection a little bit and as a result of that unless the movie is limited edition as in like we only we're only releasing 2000 copies and then it's gone i'm not really buying anything at the moment there um, so I'm trying to try to rein back. There are certain exceptions to that. That being that um, a second sight just yesterday finally put out the the 4K UHD of Martin as a pre-order now. So that's coming out in February. So I yeah. shelled out a bit of money on that one because I was like, <laughs> I need to do it. Um, but with that, I haven't really taken the plunge on anything. It feels weird because there's a lot getting released just now that I know. Duncan of six months ago, we've been like, buy, 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 like, right, sell it three hundred. Um, nah, I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I have like my points of my, you know, collecting stuff where I'm just yeah. like, I gotta ease up on this a little bit, or you know, my interest in whatever has like just shifted to something else, kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just don't I, have I'm the right. room, dude. I like, I'm out. Like, oh, I, I don't either. Little, yeah, I got a lovely fucking when we moved into this house, we got a, like an absolutely amazing bespoke. Uh, shelving I, I take photos of it every now and again with a like, neon net light and bind and all the rest and when we bought it i had like four four rows three four three full rows of shelves which is the entire back wall empty and now they're full um so that's how many blu-rays i've bought in the last three years so i kind of just to get to that point where i'm like that in order to put movies that i really want in in this like shelving unit i kind of need to get rid of the movies that i know for a fact i don't want or don't need um, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. So, uh, so yeah. I, what about yourself? Did you get anything cool? I scooped up that Martin release. I did the 4K UHD because it's region free, and I finally mm -hmm. have a 4K player. Uh, that nice. was definitely that, that movie's been out of print since like 2002 or some shit. So yeah. that was definitely what I had to fucking have. Uh, I forget if it was. I think it was Severin put out the really nice Four Flies on Grey Velvet set. Uh, oh, that was kind nice. of. That was kind of a, a FOMO thing because they were saying that, that I think they'll probably put out a standard edition version of that like down the road. But they were saying that that version of it was like the it was only going to be available during their Black Friday sale, which right. ran like that whole weekend or whatever. So I, I scooped that one up before it sold out. Um, fuck, man, I'm right now looking at like my 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 Duncan pile of shame over <laughs> here of like shit that I've bought and have not opened. Scream Factory had a fucking killer sale back in October, so I picked up like Baskin and Piwacket and Ravenous and like 12 other fucking movies. Uh, I think the only one of those I've watched so far was Body Bags I watched on Halloween. Oh, nice. Uh, Is that first time watch or you'd seen it before? I'd seen that a really long time ago. That might have been like a blockbuster rental, mm. like way the fuck back in the day, like early 2000s or whatever. But I'd never seen it like in a good quality version, like on a nice cleaned up Blu-ray. So that one lo looked super sharp. Um, we had a couple. I don't know if they have Barnes and Noble over over. 
We don't have it in the UK, and I I hate the fact that we don't have it in the UK because when they do the Criterion sale, like I'm like, every single time I just like jizz hard in my pants. So yeah, I I I picked up yeah yeah Barnes and we 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 hit a couple Barnes and they've got a couple of them in like South Wyoming and uh, Northern Colorado kind of so like we we made a few trips down there and I hit I hit up a couple of those I, I I picked up the Criterion of Cure. Mm. which i i can't wait to go back and watch that that Such was like one of my favorite things from the summer series it was like a first time discovery kind of deal and yeah it coincidentally like right as soon as the summer series was over is when they put out that blu-ray i think um the barnes and nobles all carry all the fucking a lot of the arrow stuff too like they or at least like the the u.s releases from arrow so at some point i picked up their super nice 4k of american werewolf in london which I think was the that that was the maiden voyage for my new 4K player was that one and oh my god the transfer looks fucking gorgeous it looks mm-hmm. like it was shot yesterday, um, yeah God I've got so much shit they they, they also did it um, yeah yeah it was Severin did they were cleaning out all their DVD stuff so I bought like a hundred dollars worth of fucking DVDs that were all either three or five bucks so I have a massive pile I picked and picked up a few video nasties in that one like the astrologer was in there um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> which is not a movie I like but I've got the weird idea in my head that like eventually I want to own a copy of at least all the tier three video nasties that we covered on this list I've got quite a few of them like we mentioned prey on the last one I picked up from vinegar syndrome a while back and I've but yeah, dude, I, I, I'm kind of running the same thing. I'm running out of fucking shelf space. I am way behind on watching all this stuff. I'm way behind on new releases. Like I, I gotta get off my ass and fucking either watch some stuff or do like you're doing, doing clear out some space and get rid of some fucking shit. So, um, but yeah, overall, it's it's. I'd say it's been a really strong year in genre of filmmaking, both in like new releases and stuff that's like you know come back around to to blu-rays and stuff i i ordered new york ninja from vinegar syndrome i, I forgot there's a couple of those which yeah the story on that is so fucking fascinating like they just found this movie that like didn't have any audio or whatever and got the rights to it and just remade the entire soundtrack and all the dialogue and they I don't have a script for it so they don't know if that's what these people are actually saying but it doesn't really matter because the movie is called new york ninja so yeah i mean you're there for new york ninjas uh but um <laughs> Yeah, just a lot of it's 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 been a wild fucking year, man. Jesus Christ, twenty twenty two felt like it was a decade long. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We're almost we're almost out of it. Let's do this, shall we? I, I, we're delaying yeah. the inevitable here. We do have yeah, to talk about better, the married. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get that one out of the way real quick. <laughs> right, we're gonna take a short break just now you're gonna hear people talk about Demented from the Video Nasties documentary myself and Mark Ball are gonna return after the trailer for the movie um, and yeah we're gonna be discussing Demented from 1980 right after this uh, here we have Demented which is an odd one from the 80s this tape was released by media which was based in the u.s and they were set up to release this and quite a few other titles like assault on precinct 13 to all a good night light of the living dead um it stars sally elise and uh, harry reams under bruce gilchrist and it basically concerns a woman who at the beginning of the film gets gang raped in a horse stable and they catch her rapist and put him in jail and she goes to a mental institution and when she comes out, 
her husband's having an affair and she slowly starts uh, losing her mind. It's not a very good film. The lead actress was a former model and she was mainly chosen for her looks, which is fairly inappropriate for a film concerning gang rape. Sally Elise, actually, this was the first film she did. And then after this, she also appeared in Home Sweet Home and Down on Us, which is a conspiracy movie that claims that the government murdered all the famous rock stars and hippie stars of the 70s. And it does worry me that Harry Reams is using the name Bruce Gilchrist in it. He must not like the film so much that he's not even putting his own name on it. Considering his filmography, that's uh, fairly worrying. Harry Reams was an exploitation actor. He was in a lot of uh, porn films. He also did a lot of straight stuff as well. He has a magnificent moustache, a rather buffon haircut, and can be recognised by his very stilted but sonorous delivery. One of the most amusing scenes in the film is when the lead character finally loses her mind. Um, she wakes up to find one of the neighbourhood kids uh, dry-humping her, suggesting that he's going to rape her, and she finally snaps. And up until this point, her acting has been fairly hysterical and over-the-top anyway, but when the director says, right, you're now mad, you can completely and utterly uh, go over the top, she becomes a giggling, hysterical stereotype of a woman and keeps this going for about 20 minutes. And the more murders she commits, the higher and more uh, mad her laughter gets, which is probably why they use the figure of a jester for the logo of the film at the beginning and the ending credits, because she starts to resemble more and more a court jester than anything else. And it might be an inaccurate portrayal of someone mentally degrading into madness, but it's certainly amusing. The film was probably on the section three list because when she goes nuts, she really goes nuts. There's a lot of brutal murders at the end, and if the kids are responsible for some nasty pranks, she takes it way, way out of context and proportion and murders each one in fairly disgusting ways, including a castration with a piano wire. Revenge is sweet and deadly for a rape victim in the best-selling Demented. Linda Rogers, brutally raped her, and left her mind demented. Linda will never be completely sane again. Yeah, that should help. Will it knock me out? No, just calm you down. I sure hope so. Now, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Well, that's debatable. It's often like a bad dream. Well, that's probably exactly what it was. Linda's unfaithful husband found his pleasures elsewhere. Her mental condition was in serious jeopardy, and no one was giving her the help she needed. She was having nightmares, the same horrible dream, night after night, until she couldn't distinguish it from reality. Her nightmares chased her and chased her and chased her. Rogers left his wife alone often to be in his lover's arms. <laughs> In 
and those times alone were filled with sick, horrible illusions. She couldn't take it any longer. She became demented. She got rid of her nightmares, one at a time. Welcome back, ladies and gents. You just heard the trailer for Demented. This is directed by Arthur Jeffries, written uh, by Alex Rebar. Um, the movie stars Sally Young, Harry Reams, Deborah Alter, Catherine Clayton, Brian Charles, Edward Talbert, Chip Matthews, uh, Mark Justin, Robert Brooks Mendel, Douglas Price, Stephen Blood, Bosco Palazzo. That's his name. Um, and some other folks in there as well. The synopsis for this one is... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, after being gang-raped and institutionalised, the woman suffers nightmares while under the care of her unfaithful husband and finally snaps when a group of mass use... The, the Toyotes uh, mass group of mass use, I don't know, uh, decided to invade her house. Kind of what uh, like. Kind of like. I don't know what's going on with this. Um, uh, I'll go first. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, so this movie, this movie looks really nice. It's shot like really well, and uh, I talk about film stock a lot. This this has like this has really rich colors and like a great depth of feel, and this movie looks really good. Yeah, I think I fucking hated everything else about this movie. <laughs> so right out the gate, it starts with a fucking gang rape. You know, the thing is, like, three minutes, like, about two minutes into this movie, my initial thought was, like, that Mark is in for a rough ride. Like, I'm, like, yeah. you straight away, I was like, this is, like, a trigger thing for you where you're like, that, no, <laughs> fuck this movie. This um, movie hates women, I think, or is, it, 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 the best case scenario is extremely misguided about how women, like, I really think they, they, they tried to do something with this and just fucking failed miserably. Yeah, it's clumsy. Uh, like, cause yeah, this, this is this is kind of a rape revenge movie, except for she's not really getting revenge on the people that actually raped her who yeah. were in fucking jail. Yes, uh, which is like, you know, like, uh, man, I don't in, in a weird way, it's more true to what trauma is. You know, like yeah. I think there's a there's an assumption out there, um, probably due to just pure education, uh, or uh, what, sorry, pure education as opposed to pure education, where people think that if someone has dealt like a, like a violent assault, or you know, uh, raped or molested or whatever, that when the person is convicted, 
of it and sent away. Supposed to get over it. They just get over it, and I like. I think that that aspect is what the movie's playing in in a really interesting way. It just doesn't. It doesn't have the tools. It doesn't have yeah. the maturity, um, and it doesn't have the screenwriting or the acting really to deliver that. And no, yeah, you're totally fun. right. You're yeah. totally right. Yeah, it, re- it really did try to do something there, like, like you said, with like trauma and you know, like her. It's it's it almost plays out like as like a murder fantasy for her, basically, because like it's. I mean, she's actually murdering these fucking kids at the end of this movie that she yeah. mistakes for her because they're coincidentally wearing like almost the exact same fucking masks as her rapists. It's kind of a un. It's not super clear how much time passes between the beginning of this movie and when she gets out of like an institution, basically. Yeah. But like, uh, like, I don't know, man. There, there was just so much I fucking disliked about this. <laughs> I hate the husband character in every part yeah, of that. The 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 unfaithful husband who's just decided that he's just going to cheat on his wife, who's been raped and had a psychological breakdown because hey, she's, uh, not, she's not putting out. So she's like an all around like asshole character you know what i mean like that is like oh my wife's not putting out she just won't get over it so I'll just slip around with someone who's clearly only interested in him because he has a good job and money yep like there's, like a bit, way, there's a bit where they are, older. Yeah, there's a bit where they are like literally down to foreplay and she's like that so how much money did you see here <laughs> like, yeah someone it's, it's, she's that, like a prostitute yeah if someone says that to you during sex be warned like always go low Right, um, how much money do you have? Oh, not a lot. <laughs> Barely anything. This this, this condom's reused. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like, I, I get why. Like, I mean, you basically you need an excuse for the husband to not be in the house for this movie yes. to work, basically. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, and it does like it, it makes you sympathize with uh, with the wife a little bit more. But man, like they just, they just fucking wallow in it in this movie and just like just wind you up so much to just fucking hate this husband. And then like, I don't think anything, I don't remember. I just watched this like fucking night before last and I don't remember if the husband has any comeuppance at the end of this. No. Or is that like the very last shot as he yeah. walks in the door? He walks in the door, she brandishes the knife, she's all screamy and shrill and that it cuts out, fades out. The assumption if, is if that fr- she kills him. frames yeah. and we get the cover of yeah. her like swinging the cleaver or the, whatever. The assumption yeah, fuck, is, fuck yeah, that, yeah, that she kills him off screen, which isn't good uh, yeah, enough f- for me. Yeah, fuck <laughs> this movie. I wanted to see him horribly murdered. Like, I wanted this to be like, you, you remember how the George Romero movie Season of the Witch ends where yeah. she fucking blows the husband away with a shotgun yeah. when he walks in and like probably gets away with it that's how this movie should have ended not this dumb fucking freeze frame bullshit the, the <laughs> ending of this made me fucking furious a lot, a lot of this movie did i think this very clumsily and like almost offensively handles yeah. some of the ideas that it's that it's going for and it's just it's not it it has like one scene like towards the end that like i thought was pretty nasty i mean a lot of this is fucking nasty like oh yeah like like like, like, hallucinations of being raped again and again and again yeah if you want to talk about nasty right the like when uh, mary whitehouse was putting together the compilation tape that was shown to margaret thatcher's conservative government at the time to get them on board with banning and burning movies she actually used a scene from this movie in that. Right, even though this one didn't even make the tier one or tier two list, there is a scene from this that was displayed amongst scenes from I Spit in Your Grave and Last House on the Left, like, you know, like Cannibal Holocaust. Like, th- there, was, there was scenes from this movie in that compilation. 
which gives you an idea of what you might see when you watch this movie. The opening scene is fucking raw as fuck. It really, like, the thing is you forget, right, like, rape revenge as a genre is supposed to be unpleasant. The reason it's supposed to be unpleasant is the, the retribution that is then dealt out is measured in comparison to the act. It's what just like you you want to the comeuppance. Yeah, they want you like they want you as the audience to be sympathetic to the character that has been raped. Even like like ultimately you will be straight away, but like more moreover when they themselves become a vigilante, right, and do unspeakable things which society deems as you know like vile, evil, and vicious. You have to be able to side with them, which is the precursor for this. You know, that's why you see the rape and the value it is. But it's the same reason a movie like Irreversible works the way it does is like every time it jumps back to the 10 minutes before and you see another act, you see the setup to what that violent act was at the beginning. And every jump back, something happens where you're like, you listen to the that was so shocking, I can't believe someone would do that. So by the time you reach the point of the, the rape in the underground, and then you find out she was pregnant before that, likely lost the baby. Um, like, th- what he de- kind of does out at the very beginning of the movie because of the reversing, uh, the kind of non-linear time structure, is kind of like, oh yeah, like, right, f- like, fuck those guys that did that, and I see why I went in swinging the hammer. But in a movie like this, the big issue is primarily about her... Like I say, there's a way to do this and a way to do it really, really, really well um, and they just don't have the tools. They just don't have the tools. The, the maturity of film at the time doesn't have the tools. It's like, well, the woman's hysterical. If you watch the trailer for this movie, it's fucking hilarious. It's just all going like that. This woman is demented. <laughs> you know what I mean? This might as well do that. You know what I mean? It's like it's like two seconds away from having the demented clacks and go off in the background. But it's like it's the guy going, like, she was wronged. She's a woman who has to be in an institution. Her husband is unfaithful, which has led to her being demented. You know, like when she was home alone, they broke into her house. They didn't. They didn't think that she was demented. It's that sort of thing. So we really lean on how fractured this woman is, but at no point out with the initial things that happen, do I get a sense of you know, the actual idea that this woman should be a sympathetic character. And I think that's the problem. As soon as we understand that, like, she's totally broken from... Like, because the the movie kind of tries to play it that the people are breaking into her house are the people that raped her. And then they very quickly drop that in favour of, oh, no, no, it's all in her head. You know, like, these are just other people. And at that point, that's where I lose it. Handy kept that a bit longer in the movie. Like, the idea of... She is like, or even wrestle with the idea that maybe this is completely all in her head, all over, and handle that as a point of kind of psychosis, paranoia, and PTSD. I think that's really interesting, but the movie just doesn't know how to do that, and it doesn't have a it doesn't have a template it can rip off to do that either. Like up until this point, like you think about it, like movies like I Spit in Your Grave, which is a really good example of how you get it right, or a movie like Miss Forty Five. Um, those didn't have the like whoever they went after were the people that perpetrated the crime and this one it's kind of like saying well the psychosis of that not being able to 
move forward in your life, which is a fine thing to be able not to get over. Let me just stress that. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like you, your ice cream falling off the top of your cone and hitting the ground on a warm day, and you're like, that probably can't eat that now. Well, I'll just go and buy another ice cream. You know, it's like there's different levels of trauma that people can... You know what I mean? This one's trauma. The other one is inconvenience. Like, the, the way it kind of handles that character's... It kind of then makes her, like, an unsympathetic villain and the way it's doled out, I feel, and I think that is one of the big missteps. And also, by the end of this movie, um, our, our main character here, Sally Young, um, like, who, who plays the character Linda Rogers, she is, like, she is fucking high-pitched, shrill, like, just, like, pure hysteria. And it gets to the point where she's actually, for, for like, to be, like, blunt on it, is just, like, almost unwatchable as a character towards the end it becomes so psychotic that I just don't want to spend like any time at all watching it I, I just I found it like interesting enough she was in that movie that we covered recently Home Sweet Home oh really yep she's in that movie as well um and I kind of like I was going to say like a, a, a more minor role she plays another character called Linda <laughs> like you are Linda you are typecast <laughs> Linda. Like Linda from that Linda listen Linda um, but that's that's like I, that's my problem with it is I love the kind of I keep using the word grindhouse but this feels like a bit of a grindhouse movie uh, that then becomes a bit of a like psych, psychotic drama um, I love the idea of what it's trying to do I just think in the hands of someone who's just better at telling a story or a better director overall. This kind of had some, I don't, I still at no point think this would be a great movie. Um, but it has some things I think, well the thing that kind of confuses me is how popular it is now. So this is now out on Blu-ray. I think Screen Factory put this one out and it's now made its way over to the UK. I think 88 Films may have put it out in the UK. Um, and it's, you know, like there were people losing their shit when this was getting released. They couldn't wait to watch it. And I must have just watched that. Yeah, I must have just watched a completely different movie. I think it has kind of cool, <laughs> cool ideas, but just can't execute them. And that's that's where I landed on this one. It's a deeply uncomfortable watch in parts. Um, and it never redeems itself at the end. Like at the end of this movie she's like likely murders her husband which we want her into but we don't get to see and she's going to go away and she's going to be in institutionalized and blamed for a lot of shit or they're just going to fucking send her to prison alongside the fucking rapists i, I just don't like i say i think there's a, a higher concept or idea here which could have been done but it just it was never going to get done with the people involved with us so it, it, when it gets to a certain point, it seems like it's in a huge hurry to get to, the, like, the horror parts. Like, it yeah. spends a good, like, first two-thirds of this thing as, yeah, basically like a psychodrama. Yes. Yeah, very yeah. clumsily dealing with, with ideas of trauma and, yep. you know, how, how we fucking just straight-up gaslight women that are in these awful fucking situations. And... Yeah, we spend way too much time with the unfaithful husband who's just a fucking absolute piece of shit. I yeah. can't fucking stress that enough. It made me so fucking angry. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I think yeah. this, this husband, is, husband's this, played by uh, Harry Reams, who was a relatively infamous porn actor of the time, did a lot of stag, the, stag movies. He's got, as in Deep Throat. 
so that's why I, I made the point earlier on about the holdout deep. He's he's in the, he's in deep throat, which we've played all the porno theaters. So he definitely has the quintessential porno mustache. Yeah, which, well, I don't know how that was ever like a thing. You know, Tom Selleck can pull it off. Ninety nine percent of the rest of the male population probably not. So yeah, if you've ever watched, not that I want to go down this avenue here, but if you've ever <laughs> every now and again I get a poncho, not because I'm of a certain age, but. Like it's like a a, a kind of a morbid curiosity uh, curiosity in the category section of certain porn sites to go vintage, and you click on it and just nothing looks sexy. And, and nah. Like like, like and it's mostly down to like the 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 personification of what uh like what is masculine back then is literally a mustache and maybe a mullet or a perm. Um, and I just like uh, everything's wrong. Everything's wrong. Like the women are wearing interesting clothes that don't do anything for them, and like too much makeup, and just like she's all wrong, she's all wrong. I, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. And like interesting camera choices as well. Like there's, there's sometimes you see too much. Like you know what I mean? Like I'd like there's there's sometimes I see too much of the back end of a man uh, that I don't <laughs> I don't need to see like at all. Um, that's a that's a different category on Pornhub or <laughs> like, your, your site of choice. Like I think, yeah. Like one day they'll be able to fully work out the, the the virtual reality aspect that you can just move the camera just down a little bit. Like I just like this is the bit I'm not interested. This is the bit I'm interested. In. But yeah, like he's like he is. Um, this is one of uh, like a very small handful of movies that he did, uh, which are not kind of porno stag movies. Um, and I think he made this under the pseudonym Bruce Gilchrist as opposed to Harry Reams, because there was issues about studio distribution um, and he wanted to change his name on it so they wouldn't know it was him. But it's clearly oh, him. Like, a, like <laughs> it was a union thing, maybe? Like. <laughs> don't, don't, like, you know, this movie's not going ahead if there's that porn actor on there. Okay, let me put on a fake moustache <laughs> and call myself Bruce, which doesn't make me at all sound like a porn star. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah, I, I, the thing is, I don't really have much to say about this movie out with. I kind of felt a little bit sorry for it in that I did think there were some really cool ideas that could, in my world, my way, like my, my kind of way of making this movie would have been maybe a lot less palatable to horror fans, but fucking far more interesting. So. Yeah, I would go with like... I mentioned George Romero's season of the witch, yeah. I think explorers like that's what this movie should have been a little bit more like a little bit like if, if that's what they were going for, like go, go one way or the other, make it like either a skeezy exploitation movie or a interesting movie that explores some like kind of feminist ideas and, you know, stuff about like trauma and women being left behind in society and women being told their place in society and stuff there's tons of fucking movies that explore those ideas revenge is another one yeah uh just, <laughs> I, I, even like yeah i i'm not a huge fan of it but yeah i spit on your grave is like a way better fucking example of this also yeah. like i i i don't really get the appeal of this one so much i this is another one i will probably never fucking watch again and maybe don't need to know a copy of Right. Uh, well, let's let's do the grades then. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> yeah, the rape's really bad in this one. There's no getting around that, and uh, there's a reason that you know it came to their attention 
the sensor's attention and I imagine it was like the first five minutes. <laughs> this is one of these ones where they didn't have to fast forward to get anything here to pin something on. Um, once you get out of that, it is relatively pedestrian for a, a, a long period of time and then it ramps up with the, the kind of psychosis towards the end. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go... Where am I gonna go? I'm gonna go like a like hard community service, like leaning towards hard time. I think there are some rape revenge titles in the nasties list that are more vile than this. Better made movies actually, just better made movies in general, which is probably why they are on the the hard time list over the you know, because they're handled better so they have more impact. Um right. but yeah, like, hard, like this is straddling the line. Like, why this is not on the... Why that, that whole section at the beginning didn't put this one instantly on the, the, the... Even the tier two list confuses the fuck out of me. So, like, it's enough. There are some movies on that tier two list that are nowhere near as risky as this at all um, in its first opening scene. So, yeah. I'm going going to go community service for this one. What about yourself, Mark Ball? I think I'm right alongside you. Yeah, yeah, this isn't quite hard time worthy. Like, I didn't hate this as much as like the Love Butcher, or Mosquito, the <laughs> Rapist, always, or always like, the Love couple... Butcher. Always, always the Love Butcher. That's my go-to of like movies. I just fucking like. I just want to set that movie on fire and just punch somebody for fucking sitting through it. But uh, yeah, that's uh, this, this isn't quite as far as I, there was a lot that offended me about this. <laughs> I was just like, oh god, this is gonna be a fucking slog to get through. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I this 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 guy's definitely gonna go pick up some fucking garbage on the side of the highway. I'm sending him to the animal shelter to go clean dog shit. Uh, you're they're gonna have a rough go of it. Nice, right? Well, let's continue. The good times are rolling. Uh, we are gonna move into our Christmas movie of the episode. Uh, you're gonna hear people talk about Rabbit. You're then gonna hear the trailer when we return. Myself and Marble discussing that movie right after this. Okay, well here we have Rabbit by David Cronenberg. And this is uh, one of the best of the early Cronenberg films and somewhat belies its reputation in a lot of ways. I think there's a, there is a general sense or a, a sort of a cliche, perhaps, that uh, the early Cronenberg films are quite cold. Rabbit really doesn't feel like that. Um, you'd be surprised if you actually stop and look at it, just how much affection is shown between characters in Rabbit. It's a very emotional film. It's a film with no real monsters. I mean, the lead, the lead character, played by Marilyn Chambers, is a, is a victim of a situation which she didn't seek out and which she's now thrown into a strange new world where she's trying to make sense of her own drives. And although the plot requires that she does some terrible things, it also hinges around the idea that she slowly is forced to come to terms with what she's doing. And it's that process of self-realisation which funnels you towards the climax of the film. It's got all of the hallmarks of early Cronenberg which can lead to that sense of coldness and detachment. It's set in winter. There's a feeling of alienation and detachment created by these amazing modernistic sort of cold buildings which he would set films in. This is also one of those Cronenberg films that has that uncanny sense of um, uh, sort of predicting future developments rather in the way that Videodrome seemed to do. There are characters early on talking about the possibility of setting up a franchise chain of plastic surgery clinics. At the time it was being discussed in the film, this seemed like a sort of a slightly wacky sort of future, uh, future sci-fi sort of idea. And there's a character who says, I, I don't want to become the Colonel Sanders of plastic surgery. We're now in a world where plastic surgery is uh, on tap and on demand, that you, you'll have high street plastic surgeons. 
in a way which Cronenberg appears to, to anticipate. There are other kind of prophetic elements, such as the, the, the focus on the idea of neutral field grafts. In the film, you've got this whole idea that, uh, and it was a new idea, certainly a new idea to me at the time, and probably to a lot of viewers, the idea that there are certain kinds of tissue which can be treated to develop into any kind of tissue, rather like an embryo's tissue can form arms, legs, skin, lungs, or whatever. Um, these ideas, which were kind of cutting-edge uh, medical and scientific ideas at the time, um, were being fed into a, in, into a genre that had absolutely no record for that kind of thing at all. I mean, in, when Rabid was made, we're talking about 1976, we were only about four years out of classical Gothic, really. Um, you know, the Hammer Studios and, and Dracula and Frankenstein and the whole works were still fairly recent. Um, and so Cronenberg's work, which was entirely coming from a completely different angle, to do with modern concerns about science, to do with um, uh, anxiety about, about the body and the pace and progression of change in modern society, uh, were a bolt out of the blue. I think one of the things that made Cronenberg so immediately striking is just that you, you, you sensed a whole paradigm shift. You were no longer dealing with the, the old verities of the horror genre. He seemed to have imported ideas that had come completely out of left field. And I think part of the thrill of those early Cronenbergs, certainly at the time, was thinking, I actually don't know where this is going. I, I'm, I'm being presented with new ideas. This director is not afraid to show me images that I can't even anticipate. I mean, this is the film where the heroine, stroke anti-heroine, has a kind of a penis syringe in her armpit with which she sucks blood from uh, unsuspecting acquaintances. And part of the thrill of those films was just, was just thinking, I'm in the hands of somebody with a totally unique sensibility for the genre who is pushing us into a new troubling, frightening, and yet very, very fascinating terrain. As far as Section 3 is concerned and its presence on the list of films that were considered to be banned, I, it's, it is very hard to understand. I mean, it, it, as I understand it, this film was released in, its, in the same form in the cinemas as an X uh, certificate release with no difficulty at all. There are moments of horror. There are mo Obviously, there are moments, upsetting moments, grotesque moments in the film. Um, I think we are to try and understand why it ended up uh, getting anywhere near the video analysis list is to try and second-guess the, 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 the mindset of an idiot. You know, some idiot policeman watched something in the film that he thought was offensive and unpleasant, and here we are, 30-odd years later, trying to understand. <laughs> I don't think... I don't, we don't stand a cat in hell's chance because there's, no, there's nothing in this film that ought to be troubling people in the... You know, I wouldn't put anything on a banned list, let me get that right, but, um, you know, if you were to put I Spit on Your Grave next to Rabid, you know, how can we possibly understand how anyone could have thought that they were equivalent in any way? Something's happened to Rose.
But as any citizen in the streets can tell you, martial law has come to Montreal. Shooting down the victims is as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. Trust your mother, your best friend, the neighbor next door. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. Pray it doesn't happen to you. Rabid. Welcome back, ladies and gents. You just heard the trailer for Rabid. This is the second full feature movie from David Cronenberg. This movie came within two years of his movie Shivers, or it came from Beyond, or I can't remember, it came from within, I don't know, whatever that one was called, uh, alternatively. Um, this is his second foray into body horror. And yeah, this one's a nastier one, like <laughs> for sure. Uh, this one less sexy. Shivers, kind of sexy movie. Um, this one less sexy. Once again, made with a huge amount of Canadian government money, uh, which the government instantly regretted when they saw it until it made money. And then the government was like, <laughs> "This, this, this Cronenberg guy. This, the, we, we see great things from him, but maybe we should give him some more, more money." Uh, he, he both wrote and directed this movie. It stars, of course, Marlon. Alan Chambers, Frank Moore, Terry Schoenboom, uh, Joe Sil uh, Silver, uh, we have Howard Raspan, Patricia Gage, Susan Roman, Roger Piard, uh, Lynn Derrigan, maybe, potentially, who knows, uh, Victor Desi, and some other folks. Synopsis for this one on IMDb's is a woman, oh, sorry, a young woman develops a taste for human blood after experimental plastic surgery and their victims turn into bloodthirsty zombies, leading into a city-wide epidemic. So yeah, like, I, I, I mean, a much more kind of, like, much more along the lines of a kind of more straightforward Cronenbergian setup here. Um, so I, you know, I think, like, uh, if you're looking at some of the convoluted plots that guy has had, uh, this one is definitely more insular and straightforward. Did really, really well for him. It still is considered one of the highest grossing uh, Canadian films based on cost of movie. Um, and that's because Cronenberg churned it out relatively cheap and kind of landed exactly what he needed to do for it. Um, for those that are interested, yes, it does have a remake. I didn't like it. Uh, it was done by the Soska sisters who, watching that movie, just like once again became hugely evident to me that they didn't understand what Cronenberg was doing with the original movie um, at all. I didn't, like, it's not a terrible movie, but it's not a patch on this. Um, I bet it's com it's played. Com I haven't seen the remake of this, but I bet it's played completely straight and yeah. super serious, and yeah. it tries to be really hard and edgy, which is this. On, on this rewatch i've seen this about three times now mm. i hadn't seen this in a really long time this ran on the the very first season of joe bob briggs new show on shutter 
uh, the, this was this played during that first marathon. I was drunk as fuck <laughs> by the point this actually played in that marathon. So I did not. It had been a long time since I'd like sober watched this movie, <laughs> and um, I'd completely forgotten that Ivan Reitman is uh, wearing a bunch of different hats on this movie. Oh yeah, uh, producer, like main producer in the movie. Actually, the guy behind Marlon Chambers being selected. Um, if you believe the lore and the legend uh, behind this one originally up for the role Cronenberg's first choice was Sissy Spacek of the work she'd uh, done in Carrie so that the year that would have been fucking rad not to take anything away from Marilyn Chambers yep. but that would have been pretty fucking rad yeah um but yeah that that's kind of that's kind of my huge takeaway from this rewatch is that this almost felt like it was co-directed by ivan reitman mm. there's a lot of lot more goofy shit in this movie than i remember there yeah. was like every little like maybe not every but a lot of the like you know ancillary like just like weird background characters like get like a little bit to do and like you get like their whole entire like character in like about a 10 second scene and they're all super goofy and like <laughs> kind of mm. they just have this weird like sense of humor about them though like it feels very uh second city like animal house ghostbusters like his his whole kind of just like dry dry sense of humor basically which to a degree like i i was gonna kind of say the opposite this this feels the least like a david cronenberg movie out of basically <laughs> all of his movies including shivers i think it's uh, to do with it i think it's to do with the the concept so it, it doesn't have a high concept you know yeah I mean? it's, all it's, the other it's, ones have a high concept and one way or another he's telling a story but using body horror as the mechanism in which to deliver it this one is a bit more flat and that it's you know it's, I mean there's a surely there's a conversation about kind of plastic surgery like and, and kind of medical science meddling but even then it's not the movie never revisits it <laughs> like, so, you know what I mean? it's kind of it's kind of a zombie movie it yep. definitely uh oh boy the, the the yeah the pandemic and the like government handling aspects of this have like, come back around and aged incredibly fucking well <laughs> uh and yeah there there like you said there there's some there's some stuff about like yeah there's there's a little bit of social commentary at the beginning of this about like plastic surgery mm -hmm. type stuff there's also some stuff about like uh like i mean this is another one that kind of like leans into like the under the skin kind of territory mm -hmm. where like our, our lead is a, a female and she's like just constantly surrounded by dudes that are fucking creeps to one degree yeah. or another and she like almost kind of uses her sexuality as like a weapon throughout like the the, the back half of this movie basically and and then it, yeah it does have some it does have some body horror stuff in it she she basically grows like a tiny vagina in her fucking Arm armpit that shoots out <laughs> a very phallic like stinger like fucking implement of death and it's all it's all weird and icky and gross and uh yeah rabbit rabbit is doing a lot of, it's juggling a lot of fucking plates yeah. And I think it does it really well. And I think kind of the connecting tissue in this is the 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 Ivan Reitman kind of more inspired stuff where it's got like a little bit of like goofy black humor sprinkled throughout it. And it's it's got really I think a really nice balance of like tone throughout this thing where it's like pretty nasty, but not nearly as nasty as some Cronenberg stuff goes. Yeah, I think I think you're you're hitting on a lot of my a lot of a lot of my feelings I, I like rabbit i think it is i think it's a fun fucking movie right really really does does stand out i mean it's it's kind of 
it's kind of boxed in between uh, shivers, which uh, you know does have a kind of higher concept about kind of STDs and and stuff like that and sexuality and the brood which comes after this which is i mean it's like the brood for me is like like top tier cronenberg and you it's know the, infinitely darker than this movie yeah and it kind of feels like he like on some level he needs to get this movie out in order to make the brood um oh, i also needed to get divorced messily to make the brood um yeah <laughs> it does make you wonder if that hadn't happened how his career would have went you know what i mean like, because if this is the Cronenberg we're getting right after Shivers and he makes a, a racing movie, uh, which a lot of people don't know he did actually make a race car driver movie um, yeah. the same year as he did uh, the, the Brood, it does make you wonder if he had went through a severely traumatic divorce um, in which he just, like, hated his wife um, and the custody of the kids were all up and, you know, like, for all that... I would you know so he might never have made the brood what Cronenberg would have looked like in the eighties because the brood feels like uh right right I know what I'm doing now sort of thing and then you get like back to back bangers like Videodrome Scanners uh, Dead Zone The Fly um you know it's like, just like like wall to wall like by the end of it you're getting uh, the 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 movie that he does with Michael Ironside which is escaping me now but he's again a scanners. No, no, no. Uh, oh, wait. Um, not Michael Dead Ironside. Ringers. Uh, Dead Ringers. It makes it with Jeremy Irons. A new Irons. Jeremy Irons, and, yeah. Uh, and then Naked Lunch. And then Crash. You know what I mean? It's like back-to-back, like, fucking incredible works of cinema. Just chum, 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 chum. Like, firing them out as if it was nothing. That does make you wonder, had he not went through that, what that career might have looked like. But Rabid is... Yeah, you can. I'm with you on this one. You can you can feel that this is a collaborative project where, as most of the other Cronenberg projects are personal, you know he's steering the ship. You do like as soon as you have Ivan Reitman saying we should change the lead to someone else, you know he's he's listening to someone else and he's taking that in. It's maybe the most conventional of all of Cronenberg's movies, and as a result of that, it's like of all these horror movies. On that level, it's the one where I kind of feel myself scrutinising a bit more of the actual mechanics of the movie, which are handled really well. The body horror stuff here is top tier. Um, for the time period, the practical effects are great. So I kind of lean towards that. I don't think it's necessarily a particularly intelligent film, and it's very two-dimensional. So like, if I was if I was reviewing this as based on Cronenberg's back catalogue, Rabbit is in the middle. As you know, it's, it's not on the high end by any stretch of the imagination. But then if I'm looking at it from a kind of like a exploitation horror movie from the, the late 70s, especially a Canadian one like that, score's pretty high, you know what I mean? It, like, it has enough of those elements going on, but, you know, once again suffers from the fact that in or around this time we're getting a zombie movie from Cronenberg which is going to go head-to-head with arguably the greatest zombie movie ever made in Dawn of the Dead. So yeah, they, Dawn of the Dead, like a year same, apart. Yeah, like next the following year, and Dawn of the Dead does everything so much better. <laughs> like so, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost unfair. It's almost unfair. So I, I have a lot of time for Rabbit. I really, really do. I find this is the kind of dumb popcorn movie of the Cronenberg catalog, and that's not to say that I find the movie dumb. That's not true. I just find it based on these other ones just lacking in a bit of like narrative nourishment. 
But it's not nearly as deep. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. It's a very, very, very superficial movie. Very much like the plastic surgery that people get. Uh, it's all superficial. Uh, and maybe oh, that's his plan. Look what you, yeah, look what you just did. Holy <laughs> fucking shots, David Cronenberg, you son of a bitch. Like I, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head when you said that like from the brood on in his filmography yeah. his films become way more personal yes. I, th- I, think I think to kind of answer yeah. your he's got a message to, he's got something he wants to say and I think that's a difference here I don't see there being something to say here I think it feels a little movie, more like a gun for hire movie kind yeah. of this one which I think was where his career would have gone if he hadn't gone through that awful fucking divorce yeah I, I'd, I'd like the the racing car driver movie which we did as part of one of our director commentaries interesting enough swinging the background isn't great um it's fine mechanically i've never, as, I've never seen it as a movie <laughs> it's a fine movie but it's not like there's nothing about it at all that makes you think oh david cronenberg directed this it's just a very flat movie um it's kind of kind of a misuse of his skills a hundred percent he should never have done it <laughs> i mean unless it has like some horrific fucking car no, crashes in it no, or something there's no people mangling. get mangled horribly no. then like, yeah. the only car movie you should ever watch by david cronenberg is crash it's crash yeah that's <laughs> yes. literally, it's literally car and david cronenberg that is it that's what you should that's what goes together uh, so yeah i have it's a fun movie but it's it's not it's not top tier cronenberg not top tier nasty either i mean the effects are are good but once again we're dealing with zombies which instantly as soon as we're dealing with zombies at that point i'm like we're dealing with fantastical which removes it from a censorship list for me because it's it's fantasy it's not you know different a serial killer chopping up people in the case of this one it's not that so I, that's why i would I, I think it's silly that's on this list um right let's let's do this then let's talk grades um i will come in on this one with a the effects are really gnarly um but it's kind of it's you know on the scale of things i've said before i don't think you should censor at all movies about like zombies or you know fake pandemics or anything like that so to me i believe it or not i would i would case dismiss this um as as gross as it gets with the effects it's clear that their effects are not passing it off as real and it's a fantastical element, you know, so that's where I'm leaning. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give this like a slap on the wrist, basically. This, mm. does, this does explore some some darker tones, uh, some of which have gotten much, much fucking darker and more relevant the last two to three years. Mm. Uh, but in the grand scheme of like video nasty stuff, like this doesn't, this, this doesn't punch nearly as hard as a lot of stuff like yeah I, I actually like found myself really enjoying watching this yeah. and kind of being along for the ride like this does kind of like this this, this this is a lot more along the lines of yeah something like dawn of the dead than something like you know the fly or the brood or something that like yeah, goes I, I really like fucking hard i treat this movie the same way i would treat a movie like evil dead yeah you know I mean? exactly it's this, fucking great it's to fun watch. watch yeah it's a great fun watch movie like awesome in that element does it need to be on a censorship list no <laughs> what nah. we doing here? yeah um, i would almost, i would almost case dismiss this yeah. one i don't think there's anything really like it, it barely dabbles in like any kind of like sexual violence yeah. or you know violence juxtaposed with sexuality kind of stuff it's barely in this thing yeah um yeah see there we are that's how we do it on here we've come to an accord ladies and gents We've also come to the end of the episode. We're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When we return, we're going to tell you what we're covering in our first episode back in the new year. And all I'm going to say is it's going to be rough. Uh, <laughs> first episode back is going to fucking suck. Um, I can't wait. Uh, we're going to be back to tell you right after this. 
This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been season number two, episode 32. We have, on this episode, discussed Demented and Rabid Mark Ball. We are going to be back for more episodes in the new year, but I know what you're thinking. What is that first episode going to look like? (laughs) Oh, we're staying in the 70s, my friend. Either side of Rabid, we're doing a movie from 1976. A movie from 1978 as well and uh we're we're covering two genres that i know you fucking love so oh boy let's start with the first one savage terror uh, <laughs> back to cannibal movies <laughs> you know fucking it. chickens or whatever are gonna get their heads cut <laughs> off and uh, savage right. terror um directed by sisworo guatma putra um the synopsis for this one after a raft accident in the jungle, three anthropology students and their guides attempt to escape from a primitive cannibal tribe that has to hunt them down. They yeah. have to. It's have it's to. in the job description when you yeah. become a cannibal at cannibal school. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of trivia for this one. The director decided to do this movie after the success of Italian cannibal movies such as Man from Deep River in 72, Slaves of the Cannibal God 78, and the movie Cannibal from 1970. Because, like, dollar signs replaced oh, yeah. his eyeballs, and yeah. uh, he said, yeah, I'll do it. I, I know very little about this movie, but it would not surprise me if it was shot in the Philippines, um, because a lot of them were in and around this time. Uh, so I yeah, think it's the- on YouTube. I, I, think it's, I think it's one that's hung around in the uh, the YouTube playlist that I started, like, fucking 100 years ago that hasn't been pulled off by copyright bots. It might be a really shitty copy, but I think there's also a release of this from Severin in mm. the States, maybe? All right, interesting. I, I, didn't, I didn't even actually know it had been released, so... It's, pre- it's probably on Tubi also. They got all kinds of fucking garbage on there. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else we got? Oh, man, let's just keep the good times rolling. Here, we're going to be doing Death Weekend, a.k.a. The House by the Lake. Um, this one is never directed... never heard of this. William Fruitt, uh, who is the director. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let me just tell, read you the poster, because that's usually a good indicator. <clears throat> Are you ready? Uh, yes. It says. <clears throat> so the, the the actual tagline for the movie is, is uh, uh, so private you can do anything you want, anything. The house by the lake, and then the London Daily Ew. Telegraph is. Um, Sounds like Epstein's Island or something. <laughs> anything I want? You mean I can have <laughs> a pineapple on my pizza? No, burn the house. <laughs> Uh, right, so uh, there's a little tagline at the top of the poster here uh, from, and uh, this is a soundbite from the London Daily Telegraph. So you know they're serious, where it says, "For the f- for the first time in 40 years of film going, I wanted to <laughs> wanted to run from the theater in pure fright." I'm oh. sure it was pure fright and not, yeah. I want to go to a better movie. <laughs> not directly to get their money back. Uh, the synopsis <laughs> for this one is, a rich playboy has a large house on the Ontario countryside. One weekend, he invites his girlfriend, 
a fashion model, but on his way to the house... Fashion! Fashion! Uh, <laughs> but on the way to the house, he drives past a gang of crazed young men. The men find out where the house is and terrorise the couple. Do you get the feeling that the people that made this movie maybe saw The Last House on the left and were like that? No, we can't use that. House by the lake, though. <laughs> like, yeah, that's another... That's yeah. what it means to me as. Last house on Dead End Street, last house on the left, yeah. house by the lake. It's always a house. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody ever get terrorized in like a condo or something? Get out of the house. Um, uh, yeah, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Uh, so yeah, on the next episode, back in the new year, we're doing Death Weekend, a.k.a. The House by the Lake and Savage Terror. Once again, Oof. doing two of Mark's favourite subgenres <laughs> in one delicious bundle. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> like I said at the start of this episode, this is our last episode until probably late January. Um, this is the last episode on this feed for the next two to three weeks, I think. Um, so yeah, we will be back in the new year. We will be bringing you more nasty goodness. But thank you very much again for all your support during um, our episodes this year. Our slight hiatus during uh, summer series, which will happen again this year if this rolls into summer, which is why I want it finished before summer. Um, and also uh, with the, the hiatus that we had uh, when Mark was away having his wedding. Uh, we will be back doing more of this good stuff. And yeah, thank you very much. For those that are still watching the movies along with us, save yourselves. Uh, take the oh, TV break. Oh, you are soldiers. Get, get out of there. Get out of there! <laughs> don't, don't do it don't do it at all um, all the best to you and yours out there dear listeners have a phenomenal Christmas if you celebrate it or just a phenomenal holiday if you get it and uh, a great new year and I look forward to speaking to you then Mark any final words for the listeners where can they check out your stuff and uh, do you wish to wish them festive greetings uh, yeah it's not a Christmas album but check out uh, what the fuck is it called Black Hat Under a Blood Moon my new album uh, should be on Bandcamp by the time you hear this uh, yeah I, I'll kind of echo what Duncan said thank you for supporting this show thank you for supporting the music and uh, yeah th th thank god we fucking survived 2022 Let's, uh, can, can we can we get on with the fucking 20s when, when is this decade not gonna suck like oh boy uh, all of it anyway. all of it's gonna suck and it's gonna continue and continue and continue and we are just gonna have to carve it on our own little oasis of cam i know it's a, a little a little late for thanksgiving but i am thankful for things like this show and you know making music and stuff that has kept me from laying down on the fucking train tracks the last two years so <laughs> uh yeah it's, it's gonna be a little bit of a bummer for the to wrap this show up sometime next year yeah uh, we just replace I, it with something else so mark that's what like, you, oh, yeah. it's like you're acting like you don't know i'm gonna do that anyway <laughs> like, so. uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm sure so so something new new will come along and we will uh yeah we're, we're gonna wear our battle scars from sifting through the fucking video nasties with pride after after this this is like almost any podcast seem like a piece of cake <laughs> after some yeah, of the fucking you, garbage we've you, sat through you say that but the the idea that i'm floating at the moment is a deep dive into the Ginger Dead Man series. Um, I'm, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do my that. life flashed before my eyes there for a second. <laughs> I was like, oh no. This is like the guy that got dollar signs. I just had the full moon logo in both of my eyes. And I just wanted to cry. <laughs> right, say goodbye to our listeners, buddy. Goodbye, listeners. Happy holidays. Uh, take care, everyone out there. We'll see you all in the new year. Bye. Yes, Christy. Yes. Yeah.
They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.